0: This show is designed to give general information related to investing in finance. Neither Aaron Katzman, his guests, nor the radio station are rendering legal, tax, or specific investment advice. If you need such advice, contact a licensed advisor. And welcome to the Aaron Katzman Show. I'm your host, Aaron Katzman. We're here to speak to you about your life, your money, and your investments. If you've got any questions or comments, feel free to email me at Aaron. A-A-R-O-N and lighthouse with an L, lighthousecapital.co.il. That's Aaron, lighthousecapital.co.il. You can check me out on the web at www.aaronkatzman.com. That's www.aaronkatzman.com. Be sure to follow me on both LinkedIn and Twitter and subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. And as always, we're coming to you from the spiritual and soon-to-be financial capital of the world. Jerusalem, Israel. We have a really interesting show today. It's my honor to introduce Ahuva Berger who is who runs a very interesting Facebook group called Living in Israel Debt Free. You know, there used to be a joke That the way you became a millionaire in Israel is you came with $2 million, okay? That joke, we blew that away, right? Startup Nation and everything else is completely blown that away. But still, um, this is a really, really needed topic. And I'd like to introduce Jehovah to the show. Welcome. hi everybody. So let's just jump right in. Can you tell, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to this uh, Facebook group, and then we'll get into the sort of the nitty gritty. Okay.
1: So I'll give a little bit of background. I am the kind of person who spends all the money that was in her pocket, even before I made Aliyah, after I made Aliyah, and it was a big fear of mine when I made Aliyah that I would have money in the bank to live off of, uh, and to afford my lifestyle. And when I spent years in high tech, so I was making enough money not to actually pay attention to my bank account, but enough to stay within, live within my means. Um, And when I got married to my husband, he's a numbers guy. And the first thing he did was say to me, we got to live within a budget. And I said to him, if you use the word budget, I will divorce you. I will spend my money as I see fit. And if you tell me not to spend money, then obviously I'm gonna go in the other direction and I'm going to spend everything. And he said, we gotta find a middle ground where we can live and we can be comfortable together and that we won't fight over money. And I agreed that that should be a, a foundation to our marriage. And so he found Dave Ramsey and he really, the, the messaging behind Dave Ramsey really resonated with my husband. And the concept is you live within your means, you save up, you have an emergency fund, and then you build wealth while being debt-free. And so he, we agreed that we would research Dave Ramsey together, and part of it was reading Dave Ramsey's book. And I just refused to read more than the first chapter of Dave Ramsey's book. So I I understood it. It was living within my means. Great. Now, husband, tell me exactly what you need me to do. Let's create a budget. Let's create a a framework. Tell me in approximation how much money I should spend on different line items. And I'll try to stick with it because I'm the spender in the family and he's the saver. And obviously, that doesn't work in a partnership. You need to be equal partners. And so, after a while, we listened to his podcast when we would travel to visit family members uh, every weekend, and that helped me understand and hear the stories of other people who were living within their means, who were getting out of debt, and who were reaching their goals, their big goals, like owning their whole their house outright or being able to start a business that was really important to them. They didn't need the income in order to start to launch their business. So it gave me a framework of being like, okay, that's comfortable. I could work with my partner to do this. This is a philosophy that, that makes sense to me. At the time I had student debts. I owed around $20,000 to school in the United States. And so we agreed that monthly we would sit down, we would create a monthly budget, which is called a zero sum budget, where you would, um, Every shekel earned is assigned a task. It's either spent, it's saved, or it's given away to charity. Even if we're not, I'm not religious, my husband and I are not religious, but we feel very strongly that we need to give back to the community, that we need to support our community, that it's our job, our responsibility to do that. And we can't just depend that the government will support everybody. That's also each individual person's responsibility to find those charities, those, those elements that are very important to supporting the community and to, if you can, either give your time or give your money. So every month for the first three months I would say it was a very difficult process where we would sit and we would go over the numbers and discuss what was important, what wasn't important, because the budget fluctuates month to month. Mm-hmm. Like there are your numbers that stay that, that are stagnant every month, like you know how your mortgage or your rent, but how much should I go out to eat this month or how much do I need to spend for upcoming bar mitzvah or or birthday gifts? These things fluctuate month to month. Plus, we have to take into account August and September when you don't really necessarily earn as much money or you have a lot more expenses because kids are out of school. So you have to take those elements into consideration.
0: And if I can interrupt, there's also the, the, the uh, thing which is common to Israel that many of your utilities you pay every other month, right, which sort right. of screws up your budget as well.
1: Exactly. So everything has to fluctuate, and you have to discuss it at the beginning of the month to give purpose to every shekel that you're going to earn. Um, and so we did this, and we lived this, this, this way for, for a while, and it came up in conversation with my friend, uh, Gila, who was looking to buy an apartment, of whether or not she could afford the apartment. And we discussed the philosophy, and she's like, you know what, this is something that resonates with me. She's a CPA. She's like, this resonates with me. I'm actually a very numbers-driven person. I'm very analytical. So let me see what I can do about this. And within, I think, a year, maybe two years, she bought herself an apartment. She was able to afford to put the money down for the down payment for the apartment. And her short-term and long-term goals happens to be to pay off her mortgage before the mortgage is due. So she and I decided that if we understood the value of it, she comes from the data side. I come from the emotional spend, don't spend side. Let's join forces and create a group on Facebook so that we can help people live within their means and understand that you can sleep at night. You can live life. You can enjoy life. You have to prioritize. You have to save, but you can enjoy life. And there's no reason to come to Israel with 2 million and leave with 1 million.
0: Right. So what are some of the, what are, let's say what's the process or what are some of the tips Um, that you can give in order for people to, you know, live a debt-free life?
1: So number one is don't pay in touch with me. So everybody knows that you live in a house. If you have a house that you're renting or that you've bought, you have big appliances that need to be replaced every X amount of years. You need to create a fund, a slush fund, where every month you're contributing 100 shekels, 50 shekels, 200 shekels. It depends on the month to the slush fund, where it goes for household appliances so that when your dryer, your washing machine, or if you're lucky enough, you have a dishwasher, they die, you have the funds that you can pay in cash for those items. And then you're not paying debt. You're not paying back what you owe. You've already planned ahead. Same thing for a car. If you have a car, you have monthly maintenance you have to deal with, you have yearly expenses. So you need to create a fund, whereas every month you're adding a little bit amount of money to your end goal for what it needs to be for the end of the year so that you can withdraw money as you need for important emergencies or to save up for a new item, like a new car. So that's one element. It's, it's not just month to month of, ex, of, of, of spending money that you have for your bills for this month, but to think ahead of what else it is you would like to spend your money on. Mm-hmm. And so instead of paying into debt, because you didn't think about it, you thought about it ahead of time, you've set money aside. That's one side. Most, most important that right now, uh, I think a lot of people have felt during COVID is the idea of having an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. So Dave Ramsey really recommends having between three months to six months of expenses set aside in a bank account where you can easily access the money. In Israel, there are other philosophies, whether or not you want to use a, uh, a totally vested Karenish Karnishtamut account or to take a loan against your Karnishtamut account if you have access to this. But you need to be able to access that money within 24 hours so that if, God forbid, you have an emergency, you have access to cash without going into debt. Saving up for three to six months is difficult. It's not easy to do. It's easier if you took your or any other savings plan that you got access to and moved it over into an emergency fund. But if you have to save up from scratch, it should be a priority that every extra shekel you have should go to an emergency fund. There's no way to know when we're gonna have a pandemic or any other, God forbid, uh, unknown life experiences where somebody in the house can't work at their full capacity. And if you have an emergency fund where you can live off that money for between three to six months, that lessens the intensity of the experience that you're going through during that period of time. You can sleep at night because right. you know you can pay bills. Right. And that's critical for all of us.
0: Um, Ahuva, how can people get in touch with you or your, your group?
1: So if you go gone to Facebook, Living in Israel Debt Free is the name of the group. If you're on Twitter, I'm at A-H-O-O-V-A phonetically spelled a hoova. I'm also on LinkedIn. Obviously this is something that Gila and I do when we volunteer. This is not something we get paid to do. We also help people build their budgets from scratch. We have a template, we'll work with you. If you need handholding, it's always difficult because often one person in the household, either you're a single person or there's one person in the house who wants to get in control of the finances and the other person is dragging their feet. It's much more difficult. So we're there to also help you do it so you're not alone um, but you'll always need the buy-in for the other person who spends money in the house. You can't do it alone.
0: <laughs> this is the Aaron Katzman Show. I am your host, Aaron Katzman. And if you've got any questions or comments, feel free to email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at lighthousecapital.co.il. You can check me out on the web at www.aaronkatzman.com. Be sure to follow me on both Twitter and LinkedIn and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're speaking with Ahuva Burger Burkhardt, who is... Um, who runs the Living Debt Free in Israel Facebook group. Fascinating conversation we're having. I want to go back to two things. I want to go back to something um, that, we, that you had mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, you mentioned that your, that Gila, your co-founder, your partner, whatever you, however you want to refer to her, um, really put her mind to it. And in two years, she was able to save money for a down payment for an apartment. One of the big issues you read about in the media here is everybody sort of whining and complaining that the real, and I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing that, right, but that the real estate market has priced itself out uh, of the range for many young couples to buy an apartment. But based on what you told me, what her story, let's say, do you think it's really true or do you think that people, there is a little bit too much whining going on and people, if they set their mind to it, really can um, save for that initial down payment?
1: Well, let's be honest. Gila and I both work in high tech, so we come from a very different perspective with a very different salary. And so, the idea to be able to save my husband and I—we actually bought two years ago. It took us seven years to save mm-hmm. our home, and we did get some help from the parents. Um, it made a difference. It shortened the time to buy for us for two years. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, it can be done. But there is a a limitation if you're only making five thousand shekels a month and your expenses are five thousand and even more than that, then yeah, it's quite difficult or impossible. The real question we need to ask is why is owning a house so important to everybody? What's the value of owning the house? What does it do? Uh, is, it a, um, is it about status? Is it about building your wealth? So if you own a property clear, clear and free, can you build more wealth on top of that? So you need to really ask yourself, what's the purpose of owning the home and then you have to go after that goal. And like anything in life, you need to take the time. You have to plan ahead and you have to build those uh, those building blocks. Gila had already decided she was, she was saving for it. She just didn't know if she had the capital to do it. She didn't know if she had the confidence to buy it now as a single home and to pay off the mortgage more quickly because she was buying it at an older age. So all those elements were part of her consideration of whether or not she could do it and the group helped give her that push of knowing that she could afford it, more than afford it, and that she was capable also of paying off the debt quicker so that she would own it out free free and out clear. And she could do more things with that money, her mortgage payments. She could now travel the world. I mean, when the pandemic opens again, she could do <laughs> a lot more with so, what the mortgage would have cost her.
0: Okay. Um, people who know me, ask my kids. I, I, I sort of make my older kids listen to, to Dave Ramsey. Um, I'm sort of a fan of Dave Rousey. I, oh, he's always in the background in the afternoon when I, at work, usually I listen to his, uh, the, the previous day's podcast. Um, I know there are people, a lot of people complain about him. I, for the most part, think that, that what he what he preaches is, is spot on. My issue is that um, it's easy when you're living in Peoria, right? If you ever watch him and he's got his debt-free screams, it's always people who, who are generally They're married, but they might not have any kids. They might have one kid. They might have a dog, right? Living in Israel, right? The question is when you, where, you know, most, the majority of uh, of couples have multiple children. Um, Do you think that, you know, do you think that his um, process, his method still holds true and can be accomplished, let's say?
1: I I think that almost an entire philosophy can be accomplished except for the idea of taking a 10 year mortgage in Israel. I don't think that that is possible for most people. I do think you take a longer mortgage with the plan of paying it off within 10 years. That is your goal, but then you have more flexibility and that when things happen, which is prone to happen in the Middle East, you have the ability to maneuver under those circumstances. You have to take into account where we live. We live in the Middle East, there is terrorism, there is war. There is inflation, we are connected to other economies. Uh, and I'm not an economist and I'm not a math person and I just don't like taking, I'm, I'm risk adverse. So I like to take that into account. So when we bought our place, our goal is 10 years, pay it off, but I have the flexibility not to be bound by that because we took a longer, longer mortgage. So the elements, but the, the philosophy of living within your means, absolutely doable. The idea of not having debt, absolutely doable. The idea that you could build wealth by owning property, because that's his first tenant of, of building wealth once you own your own house, is to then buy more property is absolutely doable, but it's not something that's gonna be done in your early 30s. It's not even something that's gonna be done in your early 40s. It might only be done and you might only be able to build your wealth in your mid 50s or later. Um, Dave's, Dave's philosophy doesn't even talk about the idea of how to build your wealth the way in which we can in Israel And and specifically with like our candor shalmut options that we have as a freelancer or as an employee that I think is under discussed across the board, especially with new Olim and even people who've been here for a while, how do you utilize that? What's the best way to utilize that? And also the tax implications that we deal with if you are a citizen of the United States and also a citizen of Israel. Our capabilities to invest is very problematic. Excuse me. Do you, are you married to an Israeli? Are your assets fully in both each other's names or is it separated? These are also conversations that Dave is Dave really believes everything should be equally in everybody's names, but from a tax perspective in Israel, that's not always the best idea and your accountant can tell you what's better, what's worse, uh what's more risky, what's less risky to do and what you're more comfortable with, but you know, we are not married in the United States, we're only married in Israel. And so my husband can leave his ashtamut growing uh, closed for 30 years, and we will have a tremendous amount of money available to us after those 20 years. Whereas my ashtamut, when it's fully vested, has to come out. Otherwise I'll get taxed on all of the uh, money, according to what my accountant told me. And each accountant is different. Right. So it's complicated. It's not simple.
0: Right. Ahula, thank you very much. It's been great.
1: My pleasure. This has been fun talking numbers. And-
0: And you've been tuning into the Aaron Katzman Show. I'm your host, Aaron Katzman. We speak to you about your life, your money, and your investments. If you've got any questions or comments, feel free to email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at lighthousecapital.co.il. You can check me out on the web at www.aaronkatzman.com. Be sure to follow me on both LinkedIn and Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you soon.